Hey, everybody. This episode is brought to you by our proud title sponsor, NHL Sense Arena, the next generation of off-ice hockey training for players and goalies. Look, we know how much you invest in your children's hockey development, the early mornings, the travel, and let's not forget the expenses of training for hockey camps, private ice time, the general expenses of the season. It's a lot. But wouldn't it be great to bring that on-ice practice experience home that's fun, fits into your schedule, and that's affordable? If you said yes, which I'm sure you did, you've got to check out NHL Sense Arena. It's a top-tier virtual reality training game that brings the on-ice practice experience home so you can practice anytime and anywhere, literally. You can transform any part of your home into a virtual ice rink where you're getting unlimited access to over 100 drills, training plans from top coaches and players, weekly drill challenges, and more that focus on improving hockey sense and physical cognitive skills, starting at just $33 per month. That is a lot cheaper than an hour of ice time. The physical side of hockey gets a lot of attention, but we don't focus enough on the mental side of it. It's something we talk about on this show all the time. NHL Sense Arena provides an immersive solution for players to sharpen those skills when ice time is limited or not affordable and they want to get those extra reps in. So for our listeners, NHL Sense Arena is offering an exclusive $50 off their annual plan all you got to do is head over to their website, hockey.sensorina.com. Again, hockey.sensorina.com and use our code hockey never stops and you'll level up your off-ice training by using NHL Sensorina. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for supporting us and NHL Sensorina. Enjoy this episode of Our Kids Play Hockey. Hello, hockey friends and families around the world. I am Lee Elias. That's Christy Casciano Burns. That's Mike Benelli. Welcome back to another action-packed edition of Our Kids Play Hockey, which means that your kids play hockey, which means tonight's topic is going to be all about that. It's towards the end of the season. You know, story to tell both of you. My son, who's an Adam, he's seven years old, and the coach came up to me this week. He said, well, what's he doing next year? First time I've ever been asked that in my life as a hockey parent. And I said, well, I, what are our options? He goes, we can go up to Mite and stay in Adams. You know, we can see. So I, I'm completely confused for the first time in my life. I said, so do you think he is ready to go up to Mite? Being a, a, a typical uh, good head coach, he goes, well, I don't know. That's not for me. <laughs> I value it. We'll have to see where he's at after the summer. So long story short, I signed him up for Mites because I can always drop him back down to Adams uh, if he needs to. But it made me think of tonight's topic, which is what do you do? When your kid is moving up to the next level, what's the process? What should my mindset be? If he's not AAA and he moves to B or she moves to A and she was B, what do I do? I don't know. I don't know. All I know is that I'm incredibly tired and exhausted and it's adding a little bit of flair to me tonight for this episode. So we have our two experts here as always. Mike Manelli is going to talk about this because he's a USA certified coach. He probably knows a lot about this. And then Christy and I are going to take the parental role because I really don't have a stake in this fight yet. Again, this really is my first time having to think about it. I obviously have my own experiences of players. Um, and then I also want to talk about Mike specifically what it's like to move up to each level. Now, when I was growing up, it was uh, Adams, Mike squirts, peewee, Bantam, midget college, so forth and so on. It's a little different now. Uh, but we do know that hitting does not come into the game until the bantam levels. So that's another thing to look out for. So I'm excited to talk to you both about this. So Mike, let me just jump to you first here, right? What just the quick tips for the parents season's over. My kid's moving up to the next level. What do I do? Yeah. Well, so the initial part of that, right. Is, is that what we talk about in the coaching program all the time is that our job as a coach is to our only job is to make sure the kids are prepared and ready to want to play at the next level. 
So the fact that we have children that are excited, parents that are, you know, passionate and ready to go and like, okay, well, what are we doing and how are we preparing? I think it really comes down to, you know, certainly from, from a listener point of view here is what regions are you, where are you from? You know, what's offered? And then what is the menu of choices that you really do have? Uh, you know, the first choice is going to be made for you, right? If your kid's an exceptional 8U, 10U, 14U, they're going to be getting sought out because this is the time of year where, you know, uh, parents get uh, run into in the hallway and say, hey, I noticed a little 13 on the team. Oh, there's pretty good. And then, you know, it's usually the, you know, the parents says, oh yeah, that's my son. You know, oh, he's, he's good. Or that's my daughter, right? So I think it's a matter of, you know, uh, knowing your perspective of the program you're in and knowing the different levels. And I think ultimately, you know, determine what race you're going for, right? Is it, is it the, the race to be the best eight-year-old or is it the race to, you know, win the race? And that's having your son or daughter continue to play hockey all the way through high school and college and beyond. So um, again, region is going to be a big part of it. What your program offers, the levels that are available to you. And sometimes you get, you move up just by default because there's no other place to go uh, in your community. Speaking of high school and college and beyond, Christy, your kids have both done that. Uh, And I'd love to hear your perspective of both of your children, uh, but your son and daughter moving through the ranks, uh, the the triumph of making a team, maybe sometimes the devastation of not making a team. What was that like from your point of view? Tell us some stories about you and your kids. All of that, all of that. I do want to advise parents that uh, you need to research a team. Make sure that team is a good fit for your family. Just because, you know, You've got these starry eyes and you've got, oh my gosh, I, my kid has to be on that team. That's the best team. It's going to be the best for him. It may not be the best for your family. Find out how much it's going to cost. You know, can you afford this team? Find out about travel. How much travel do you do? Are you okay with that? Is your family going to be split in different directions? Um, are you going to, is this a team that goes to Canada? Is this a team that goes to Chicago? Is that in your budget? You really need to know these things before you sign on the dotted line. Right. Find out about the coaches themselves. Watch them. Go to a practice and actually watch that coach. Does that coach, if they're little kids, get down on his knees and look eye to eye in that, at that kid? Is he talking to the kid or is he standing up yelling at them? And how would your kid react to that kind of coaching? Um, do they look like the kids all get along? You know? Be a good observer, do your research, do your homework, and ask a lot of questions. It's your money. I think parents forget about that. You have a right to know how much money you're going to spend and what those dollars are going to. A lot of people are afraid to ask and just assume that everything is okay. You know, And it might be good for you know 10 families, but there might be some more families that this is just out of budget, out of your schedule. This is going to put a lot of hardship on us, especially, you know, we're in a pandemic right now. You know, take a look and see how much extra money you can devote to this team, you know. And trust me, house teams can be the best teams for your kids, especially when they're little. They don't have to be on those expensive elite travel teams when they're six, seven, eight years old. Don't fall into that trap. Because um, they can have just as much fun and just as many great experiences and learn great skills on a house team. A lot of parents 
you know, look down on house teams. I got to tell you, my kids have the best, best times on those house teams and advance their skills, like incredible friendships and skills. And they got to be creative and they got to have fun. And that made them love the game of hockey. You know, Christy, this is great because it brings a great segue into a story I wanted to tell everybody about my own development. And again, we're talking about the mid nineties till the turn of the century. Now uh, I said many times before on the show, I started hockey really late. I was actually 12 years old, my first season. So my first season was already a last year peewee, um, which is uh, wonderful and devastating at the same time that I found the game late, but thank goodness I found the game. Right. So um, I remember my second year playing, I was a first year Bantam and I was playing on a Bantam B team. Okay. Keeping in mind, this is very early on in my hockey playing days. Um, and that B team, the next year was going to become a Bantam A team. All right. Now it wasn't my skill level, but it was my knowledge of the game. Uh, I did not make that team. So all of my teammates moved up to the A level and I was kind of left in hiatus and I was offered a spot to be on the B team again, the Bantam B team as a second year Bantam. Um, and I remember I was devastated. I was completely devastated with this decision. Uh, I, I didn't know what I did wrong all the feelings you, you see your kid go through when they don't make the team they think they're supposed to make. Obviously, hindsight's 2020 now as an adult. But the most miraculous thing happened, and, and this is why you never know what is good or what is bad, right? You never know. I, I was put on this B team again. I was one of the older kids on the team at that point. Uh, and I had an unbelievable coach that year. His name was Fred Snickeris. I'll never forget this man. So this is my third year playing hockey, all right? And I'm probably about 14 years old. And uh, Fred could see my skill. Uh, he knew it. He put me in a position where my skills were going to be used correctly. But he could also see that I had a, a massive gap in understanding the game. And I'm not talking about icing in the rules. I'm talking about just experience. Everybody had six years playing experience, wing, center, defense, everything. This guy took me aside before every practice, sat me down for an hour, and would just teach me. I mean, the real definition of a coach. He never asked for anything in return. Uh, except for my best on the ice. He awarded me an A later in the season. Um, it was in a massive developmental season for me. Now, I never played on a B team again after that team. I moved up to A, double A, so forth and so on, college and beyond. There's no way I would have done that had I not been on that team again. So I want to tell that story because I know sometimes it can be devastating or even unfair. And it's probably not bad. I, like I've seen kids screaming at head coach saying, you've ruined my life. I've seen it. Right. But I remember the devastation. I remember the car ride home after not making that team that year, uh, crying in the car. I remember my father, there was nothing he could say. And he, I mean, he was feeling it too. You know, I, I remember he told me when you hurt, I hurt, which I understand now as a father. Right. But, but that turned out to be the best thing that could have happened. Now I want to say this again. I, I stayed at a B level. Right. And, and that's what jumped me up to the next level. So Christy, to your point, but house leagues and money, this is what I'll say. For every kid that has all the money in the world, and God bless you, there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with that if you're blessed that way, okay? And you can play on those elite teams and you go all the way. For every team that does that, every player that does that, excuse me, there's a kid who has nothing that makes it as well, all right? And we see this in every sport, all right? My, my wife comes from nothing. She's a doctor, all right? It was the grit she learned on not having everything that got her there. So the point I'm trying to make is, all the money in the world or none, none of the money in the world, it really has nothing to do with your ability to make it. it. It all comes from in here, your heart. Okay. If you want it enough, if your kid wants it enough, they'll make it happen no matter where they're playing. 
All right. I'm not trying to say go play B or drop a level. That's, that's not my point. My point is it doesn't matter where you play. It's what you put into it. When, when I consult kids about college and graduate school, I tell them it's not what you, where you go. It's what you put in. Right. Christy, to your point about money, especially with graduate school, I think we're, we're kind of outside hockey here, but man, you're paying a lot of money for that. You better call those professors and the Dean and say, what are you going to provide me for this amount of money? Cause it, it's, it's a college tuition is like buying a house. Nowadays. Got that right. And right. I got a similar story with right. Sophia. Um, I'm going to go back to when she was playing peewees and they were, she was going to move up to the Bantam level. And we had decided as a family, we didn't want her in with the boys anymore. She was on an all boys team. We wanted her to move to a girls team and she wanted to continue playing hockey. And we said, she's small. The boys are getting really big. There's a size difference. So we were concerned right. about injuries and she had already suffered an injury in lacrosse. So we were a little skittish about, you know, her playing with big boys. So let's search for a girls team. All right. So we tried out for the travel girls team. There weren't a lot of girls teams that she had an option for. And um, she didn't make the team and she was heartbroken. And she thought, this is it. Um, you know, we couldn't console her. She was just absolutely broken. That hurts. Hurts terrible. That hurts bad. So it turns out there were a number of girls who didn't make that team. And there were a number of girls throughout the county who had no place to play. So I had called up one of the dads who I knew is a really good coach. I said, oh, you know, your daughter doesn't have a place to play. And he was in the same place that I was at. They didn't want her to play with the boys anymore. They wanted her to be on a girls team. We formed our own girls team. That's awesome. We formed our own girls team. And there were 16 of them. And what a great season. We got to pick what tournaments we wanted to go to. We actually went up to the Walt Gretzky tournament. God rest his soul, Miss Walt. Um, and he put on a beautiful tournament for the girls. And they won. They actually won the <laughs> Walt Gretzky Championship big, beautiful medals. Um, and to all of the coaches credits, it was pretty much equal playing time and our girls, you know, they weren't good enough to make at that time, the travel team, but boy, did they get creative and everybody had a chance to play. And there was no one sitting on the bench, every shift, every girl got a chance. And what that did for Sophia, I saw a tremendous growth in her. She's something as, as you know, one of the one of the hockey coaches says, we unleashed the Kraken. <laughs> she, she developed this hard, incredible shot. She wasn't afraid. She wasn't timid. Um, you know, she got named captain. Um, she was good enough then to make a high school team, which went on to win a state championship. Awesome. So at so I take yeah. it back to that moment and your kid, if they go through this where they get cut from a team and they think that's it. There's no, I'm a failure. There's I'm I'm never going to do anything with hockey again. Don't lose faith because there are other options out there, and if there aren't other options, get with other parents and make your own because uh, it can be really really fun. We had the best season with that team. You know, my colleagues here are both from New York, but I'm from Philadelphia. And to echo your thoughts, Christy, from a great, uh, amazing fictional athlete, Rocky Balboa. It's not how hard you get hit. It's how hard you can get hit and get back up, right? So often from these terrible moments are born the resiliency you need. And your daughter plays Division One NCAA hockey now, right? Now, I do want to turn this conversation back to you, Mike, because 
Um, I'd be remiss. We're talking about the pain of not making a team, but no one, and I really mean this, no one outside of coaches ever thinks about what it's like for a coach to have to pick a team. Cause it's not easy. It's not easy to have to tell somebody you're not going to make the team right. Or post the list out knowing you're going to hear back from it. So let's talk about that from your perspective. Again, I've done this at a higher level, which is a little different, which is more like you're cut and you're not getting paid at the youth level. It's not like that at all. Right. So why don't you walk us through the, the, the progress of having to pick a team and then knowing that you're going to have to promote kids, cut kids, so forth and so on. What does a coach think when he does that? Right. And right. tell us, just preface it by saying what level you're talking about. Is it all girls? Is it mixed boys and girls? So before you start, just a little bit of a setup so we know what you're talking about. Right, right. So, well, so there's a, there's a whole bunch of variables there, right? But I think, I think one of the pieces that's so important is, to Christy's point earlier, you're going into a program, know the program ahead of time, right? But as importantly, and, and some of the stuff I do in, in, in my advising role to youth organizations is to make sure the parents get the, are educated to what the program is. And, you know, and then what I try to really be, a, you know, at, at 8U, even at 10U, uh, the idea is as many kids you can get playing. So, you know, like I love programs that have smaller roster sizes, you know, whether you're playing, you know, again, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a national 10U half ice guy. Like to me, like a 10U hockey, half ice hockey would be the way to go, but I'm not, I'm not, I don't get to control those things, but those are things as, as, you know, parents look for the best way for your kids to have success, boys and girls. The biggest thing we see it too, right? In school and everything else, it's building confidence. It's, you know, the old adage at 10U that to be the best, you have to play the best. It, it, it just doesn't factually come out to be true. You have to enable access and success and swagger and confidence. And those are the kind of things that, you know, you know, that I look for in, in when we're advising programs on, you know, moving up. Now, 12U, 14U, 15U, you start getting a little competitive. One of the things that I try to educate uh, our groups with, and I do, is the, the piece that it's not the best 16 players that get put on a team. It's not, you know, rated one to 16. That's our team. Teams are made up of components of players that play roles. And I think we, a lot of us lose that uh, in the youth hockey market today because everybody thinks, well, my kids, he's, he's better than those four kids. Yeah. But he, but we, we have nine forwards and we have, and he does not play D Trust me, he does not play D. And, and me, I'm a positionless guy. Like, I want that youth player to play everything. But there are certain players that gravitate to certain roles. And I think, you know, making sure that we're educating the parent and the parents are educating themselves on knowing that if I'm the, the seventh or eighth forward in the projection of a coach, uh, I might want to go on the, the team that's lesser. And I want to be the, the, the first or second forward. And I want the opportunity to, to, to shine and play and, and be a role player. Uh, you know, Christy, you, you know, your, your daughter's example is perfect. It's yes. Okay. Say if she would have made that top team, she snuck on, she, and she never would have gotten the opportunity to be a captain. Probably she never would have gotten the opportunity to develop her shot because they'd be like, no, 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 don't shoot it. Just get it off the glass and get it down the ice. Don't do anything that's going to hurt us, you know, win or lose. And those are really important pieces on, on the, the tryout, the, you know, the process of moving up. Don't think, I'm so you know. glad you said that because she was able to get so creative in the way that she played. And I, I really think if she made that travel team, she would have sat on the bench a lot. 
not that she wouldn't have gotten great coaching. I'm sure she would have, but I think she would have been timid, right. you know, and uh, with this other team where all the girls were pretty much all the same level, there was no, you know, hot shot, so to speak. Everybody, was, about, also- everybody was equal that it gave them the confidence to be creative and to try things that they normally wouldn't do and not be so restricted of, oh, what if I make a mistake? I'm so afraid of making a mistake. What will she think or what would she think? They well, didn't she also, care. They just went out there and they had a blast. <laughs> right, but she also had, she, she was able to, because of that situation, she was able to build a foundation of who she mm-hmm. is today. And yeah. I think that is so important. Like we see that in the girls. Like I found early on, and there's a lot of debate, should, my, should the girls play with boys? Should they play with girls? Are they going to get better if they play with boys because the boys are stronger at earlier ages? It's, the, it's you as a parent. If your daughter's so intimidated by skating with boys at 8U, then get them with girls. Get them in a situation right. where they can feel comfortable and embrace that. Now, if they progress, they're not going to get held back. It, it, it's, it's crazy to think if you're a competitive little girl that you're going to get held back because you're playing, uh, you're not playing with boys. You're playing with other girls that aren't that competitive. It's all about the experience. I love coming to the rink. I love practice. I love my teammates. At eight and nine and 10 years old, most kids don't even, they don't even see the skill. They you see know, the relationships. And Michael, that's so uh, important. Sorry. I'm so glad you said that. Too. That you is know, so true. Because, you know, that, that team I was talking about before, that B team I made, um, I was easily the fastest kid on the team. I was about a year older than most kids. I wasn't, I wasn't put on the top line. And I remember this. I was put on the third line. And, and to, to the coach, again, Fred, to his, to his credit, I mean, I thought that was a little bit of an insult when it happened yeah, like, to me, hey. you know, and then he, he really explained to me how I'm anchoring the third line, but keeping in mind too, I didn't get any less ice time being on the third line. Like we they were rolling lines, but he was explaining to me like, Hey, listen, you're really fast. You're a really good passer. You know, your shot's not there yet. So these two guys do, it, it was completely explained to me, my role in that team. And again, it was a transformative year for me, but Going back to both of your points, right? I, I learned the game on a B team after not making the team. I got my confidence on an in-house summer league. I, I remember it very well, right? It was early on in my playing days and I was put on a team and I was one of the better kids. It was the first time I felt confidence in the game. I learned weightlifting and uh, that side of the game in a summer one year, uh, trying out for an elite team that I didn't even make, right? And the thing is, it all led to me getting as far as I did. Like, I didn't get to the NHL. All right. I'm not saying that, but I got pretty darn far when everyone told me you'd never get as far as you did. Yeah. Right. So, so my point is, again, we're both making this point. You just, you never know what's going to be good or bad. You know, another, another piece of advice I got, Mike, um, um, was that never be the best player on your team. Uh, especially when you're younger, because if you're the best, you're not growing. Now, th- look, there's always going to be a best kid on the team. All right. And there's always going to be players that go up and down and kind of lead the team. But that was great advice for, for me. Hey, don't go someplace you're going to be the best. I, you'll always be the best on a B team. That's what I used to be told, right? You might be middle of the pack or lower on an A team, but you'll learn more, right? I thought that was great advice. Now, I, I, I'm not saying don't strive to be the best. There's a big difference here, all right? But I was saying like, if you're middle of the pack, you're learning. If you're top, you're probably not learning too much. And again, obviously, as you move up the levels, this changes, right? But but. I want your thoughts on that. Cause I, I, I remember thinking that and thinking about it correctly of like, don't just try and be the best top multi 50 goal scorer. If you're not learning anything. Yeah. So we just had a story, just, I just in an advisor role this week, talking to a player who is clearly joins the spring program and he's one of the better players. And you know what? Every, all his teammates don't talk about him about being the best player. They talk about what a great teammate he is to That's them. Awesome. And he looks 
like his ability to look when he could clearly just go score his ability to look for lanes and give kids other players the confidence and you could see him get lifted by that i mean that's so rare right. to to see a parent allow that to, to to flourish like because it's hard to learn that like when you're getting beaten down and you're in a, the grind of hockey you know with 10 years old but, you know but but the, the kid that can skate around and do things at will later on it's like the kid that doesn't want to give up his toy right if you don't <laughs> if you don't you know teach those social skills early you became a re- you become a really entitled 16 year old right and and a player that and then all the players are good. Everybody's good at 16. There's a lot more. So then where do you go? Then who are you going to get picked? You know, what's the coach going to pick? Like me, I really wish there was more interviewing going on in tryouts, especially 12 and over. I just wish there was more time for us to see a body of work of kids. I wish there was an April and May tryouts that you had a summer to watch, a, watch you know, get, like to me. So I'm a big believer. I, I, I'm not a big, I hate tryouts, like three-day tryouts. I want, I want selections. Right. Lee, this is why I'm selecting you. Christy, this is why I'm selecting you. The parent would get just as mad with getting a list up on the board, right? Saying number B16 didn't make the team <laughs> as, but, but it's going to, if you just to your coach, what he did for you, Lee, was he communicated to you what your role is, what he felt, because it really only matters what he thinks. Right. Because he's the one controlling the bench. If I cared what all 15 parents think, I'd have to have them all on the bench behind me go, okay, who should we put out next? You know, it's my choice. And and I think going right back to Chrissy's original point, research your coach, research philosophy. Don't jump off the ship when when that philosophy is still there and your philosophy changes. (laughs) You know, you have to, you know, like I I joke around with my parents all the time. I said, remember at the beginning of the year, everything was about development and winning didn't mean that much and you really just cared about your kids having fun and them getting better and then when we lost you know five games in a row it's like oh my god you know the team's falling apart they go no but we're really getting better there's so many great things happening but that communication piece to and, and to allow your children again this is not everybody i understand there's certain kids that are just they're just good they're and they're they're they're, yeah. they're gifted players but for the rest of us it's learn how to play within a team, learn to play a role, learn to embrace a role. And to you, you're experiencing it. I experience this. Your role changes all the time. Right. Learn how to play right. those roles. And and I'll go to that too. You know, the, the thing about gifted kids is a lot of parents believe their kids to be gifted. <laughs> Everyone's uh, and, gifted. And, 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 and here's the thing. I'm not, I'm not going to be the guy that debates that. Maybe your kid is, maybe your kid isn't. It, it, it's really eye of the beholder on most of that. The truth is this, whether your kid is extremely gifted or not, a lot of it comes from what we talked about before. It comes from inside. What kind of a person are they? What kind of a teammate are they? What kind of uh, you know, social skills do they have? Because and we've said this on multiple episodes, everybody we speak to that has worked in the professional ranks of sports, even outside hockey has said, skill is not enough. It comes down to the whole person. And they've seen athletes of immense skill, maybe they could have been the best, that don't make it because they don't have the skill sets outside of the actual physicality. Yeah, go ahead, Mike. Right, but the vast, the vast majority of us, our audience, the people we work with today, right, are, are, except for Christy, obviously, for right now, with 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 her daughter being, you know, at, at the high, you know, the highest level of college hockey, that we we are dealing with volunteer coaches giving their time. They're not right, professional right. skills evaluators. They're not 
they're not professional psychologists. They just want good people that they can coach, coachable kids right. that, that can embrace a role and, uh, and, and a parent that can help that player, you know, moving up. Okay, you're moving up from, right. from 8U to 10U. There's components of that that we all should know structurally, right, for what a player should be able to do. But there's also the maturity aspect. And is your kid ready? Is he, you know, uh, you, you know does he want to go on? Is he ready to deal with 16 tournaments? And going to Toronto five times a year, or does he, does he want to be home with his friends? And will that give him the opportunity to be better at the end of the race? Right. You really need to know your kid. You're right. Right. You need to know your kid, what they're capable of. And just because you want it for your kid, don't force your own wills. What do they want? Let, let them take the lead in that. You, You know, you know, you absolutely know if you're burning your kid out and you're pushing them in the wrong direction just because you want to see it, then you need to pull back, you know? Um, and I try to listen. Like, I know we just, just this weekend, you know, my, my little guy, my, my, uh, my seven-year-old was, you know, gets off the ice is all upset. I can't, you know, and it's like, not, not a tryout, but an evaluation. Cause I can't believe I, I lost the, some four-year-old three times on the face-offs. You know, I, I couldn't win a face-off to this four-year-old. I couldn't <laughs> believe it. Good little player. So I, I'm like, you know, I'm trying to be the, the supportive dad. I'm like, well, right. what are you going to, what can you learn from that? You know, what are we going to, what are we right. going to do to get better for next year? Well, he goes, well, I ain't going to play center. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I said, well, I don't know if that was, I don't know if that was the lesson I wanted to learn, but you know, maybe he'll be a good winger. He doesn't have to take the face-off. Who can off. tell if this is good or bad? You never know where those things are going to go. Right. You know? So I just like, okay, well, okay. Yeah. Be on the wing. But I think it's just know your kid, know what their threshold is. And I think, you know, I, I, I tell you, I get so sad when I come into rinks and I can see these young girls and boys in their eyes. I could just see they don't want to be there. Like they, right. they just have, like, and, it's, and I don't even know if they're doing it for dad or mom. They're just, they just feel like this is who they are and they have to do it. And it's, and, and they would have, you know, to Christy's point, you know, and I hate, I, I don't like the term in-house anymore. Like I, I and I, I love like if, if, if rinks were to call it like, the regional recreational leagues or regional programming and, and had music and jerseys and scores and like made it feel like a, tr- like, a, like you're going to a tournament every weekend, you would have so many more kids in that environment. Totally. But yeah. I think we all, we all think I'm going to go from the program. Like look at the NHL right now. You could play, you could play ice hockey, right. in in through the NHL for less than $300 a season. And then your next choice is $3,500 a year. <laughs> I, I mean, think about that, right? From eight U to to ten U, there has to be gaps in between. And do your research and, and find a way to, you know, ultimately keep your kid in the game. That's all. And about make sure too. it's it's that you can fun. go through it too. You know, as a parent, right? right. It's a long season, right. and you're going to be with these people for a long time. <laughs> so <laughs> right. you're laughing. No, I mentioned it's just like you know the face. That's a psychotic I, I, laugh. That wasn't. I, 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 that's my favorite. That's my. <laughs> That's my favorite Facebook. Uh, they, oh, I love my hockey family. And that's in like, that's in like November. Yeah. And then by April, it's like, I'm going to kill this person. That person, right. cut, got, I got cut from this kid. So I said, well, it's all, it's all relative. Let's be together. Let's have the best experience for our kids. Right. Do our research. But I think, you know, enjoy the experience you're in, but make sure you can enjoy it too, right? Yes. You know, yeah. I'll, I'll say this yeah. to both of you. Exactly. I, I, remember, <laughs> I remember coming to a realization uh, later in my teens, the difference between feeling like I have to play and then choosing to play. 
And they're two very different pathways. Feeling like you have to play, that's a road to getting burnt out. And I was heading that way too, because I was playing nonstop. Um, and I, oh, I love it. I still love it to this day. But I remember realizing I don't have to do this. I choose to do this, well, right? Yeah. And that really changed the perspective for me. And I was really able to enjoy it more. Um, now, I will tell you this. My parents never, never pressured me. Um, uh, now, they wouldn't let me quit anything. Uh, and they wouldn't let me just stop because it was hard. I, I mean, I always give them credit for that. But it was always my choice. If I didn't want to do it, I didn't have to do it. Um, I think that's another important aspect when you're moving up is that, you know, as parents, we feel the pain our kids are in. And, and a lot of times when we feel pain with our kids, our first reaction is just to, to fight, you know, to fight back. But uh, going back to what I said earlier, you know, there's lessons everywhere. Um, now, if you really think something's been done wrong, I mean, there's a way to approach that. But at the end of the day, it's, it's not how hard you get hit. It's how you respond. I guarantee everyone listening to this show, no matter where your kid goes, this is like it's irrelevant if they make the NHL or not. Their ability to, to know how to deal with adversity is a far more important life skill than being the best at face-offs or anything. Right. All right. And, and I can tell you right now, all the pro players have that. All right. Dealing with adversity. And if they don't, they don't stay up there too long. Right. Um, I do want to turn the conversation real quick because in this episode, if we don't talk about this, I'm going to be remiss about it. So uh, a coach came up to me the other day. You'll like this, Mike and Christy. So he goes, what do you think about them moving, hitting up to Bantams? I think it should be peewees. And I said to him, the problem isn't the age, it's the puberty. <laughs> I said, you can have a kid who's six foot at 12. And he, you know, I don't want a six foot kid hitting a five foot two kid, uh, you know, or, or vice versa sometimes, because you can flip a tall kid. But I said, this is really more based on growth than I think it is on age. Uh, Mike, you're the, obviously the one to speak to this. Um, I was a bigger peewee. I mean, hitting was great when I was a peewee. Right. But I remember the little kids and they were scared and, and, and rightly so it is the gigantic, you know, man or, or fully grown woman coming at you. It can be scary. So um, I think this was the right move. However, and Mike, I do want you to speak about this. You can teach the hit the, the fundamentals of hitting without there being hitting in the game. And I think that's probably the more important thing is to learn how to hit, maybe more importantly, how to take a hit. Right. And understand that hitting is not a weapon. It's a tactic. All right, for the game, right? So, Mike, you are the expert on this, so I, I want to bring that to you. Right. Christy, I'm sure you have stories about this too. Right, right, and I, I certainly <laughs> defer to the real experts. You know, the the the, the doctors and and the people that study this stuff. Right, you know? right. And and I and I fall. I really probably fall. Wait, you're off. not a doctor. No, I went to school for a long time, but for some reason, oh, man, I think it be- this show's done. Everybody thought you were a doctor. I'm leaving. But I, yeah, but I, but I, but I play one in this episode today. There so you go. <laughs> I I think I think for me. I think that the, the terminology and, and USA hockey, I, I, I think has done a poor job of the, the, the verbiage on this. And it's right. because body contact is actually a huge staple and a piece of the teaching components from the day you step on the ice all the way through hockey. Right. So body. So, and I think it's, it's the coach's ability to understand there, there is a difference between body contact and body positioning and the blow up check. Right. And I think, and I think that's where we don't do a good job as coaches teaching the body contact part to eliminate the need for even checking to even happen. Because, you know, even when I coached at the college level, there was two reasons to check, separate the person from the puck and or intimidate the other right. player. Only two reasons. There was no other reason. Like why would, why else would you blow somebody up at the blue line to change the momentum of a game? Well, that doesn't, that doesn't exist, but Body contact and check I, I, the, the the last, you know, the, my work I've done with the NWHL with the professional women, 
there's more body contact going right. on than any game that I see at any level. And, and cause they know how just, to use their well, body context. So there is no checking in professional women's hockey, but there is body contact. You can look right. up the differences of that at home, but it's a great point Mike's making because, because they can't do actual hitting uh, they found a different way to bring the physical component into the game. And I've and it, seen those games, Mike, and you're right. It is physical. Well, it's all, it's know how to move your body, knowing how to move your breezers, knowing how to, you know, position your, 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 your arms and your head and, and, and positioning along the boards. It's a whole different mindset when you teach body contact and puck protection and spatial awareness than it is to say, okay, this guy's, this person's skating down at you and you're going to do everything you can to put your body on them. You're not going to learn about angling. You're not going to learn about gapping. You're not going to learn about influencing their direction. We don't do any, we don't do enough of that at the youth level, and that's all we should be doing at eight U and six U is angling, body position, creating, you know, it, dictating where the player goes, so that we can get the puck back. And right. I think that's where, and that's really hard when all of a sudden, and, and you you have a a twelve U player jumps up in the fourteen U. And listen, this is one of the reasons like we chose as a family to have our son go to a year of birth program, which we didn't talk about. Some programs, you know, go major minor so that when you jump right. up to 14, U, you can go to 14, U minor or 14, U major. So now you're not playing with kids, you know, at 14, U, you might be playing with kids that are just turning 15 against kids that are just turning 13. Right. So you talk about the difference in their body structure and their size and their physicality and their maturity. You know, that's why I think, you know, for a lot of people that year of birth uh, designation is so good for the growth of their player, because now it at least levels the playing field to a bit where every kid in that age group is in the same year of birth. Right. And, and then, you know, and then really the biggest thing, and Christy can speak to this for, certainly from both perspectives, but really seeing the highest level of women's hockey right now, that the emphasis on body contact over checking is really the way that we can eliminate the, 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 the kind of checks we've seen recently at the right. NHL level where you're just ending people's careers for no reason at all. I agree. Imagine that and being able to learn it, from the women's game, which is something we could do. Just wanted to oh, say that. and they skate with such finesse. It's just so much skill. I just love watching the women play hockey and yes, they fight. <laughs> they fight. They're hockey players. They're hockey players. <laughs> I yeah. think the first game where my son, it's hard to watch. The first time you watch your kid in a game where checking is allowed. And um, the boys just kind of like, they were just going crazy with it, okay? Like, oh, wow, it's freaking check. So here's my son's team up against uh, kind of an elite travel team. Uh, he was a travel team, but not quite as elite as the, the uh, team that we're playing. And uh, my boy's getting through it. There's some little checks, little, and every time I can remember it, just watching with my eyes yeah. wide shut, just it was, <laughs> and I'm like grabbing the mom next to me. I'm like, oh, every hit, every check, and the boy goes down. And there was this one check my son got. He was flattened like a pancake. I didn't think he was getting it up. I'm sure, he's gonna I, love I to hear you say that, Christy. I, <laughs> I stopped breathing, and then I'm like. I got that kid's number. Who is that kid? Who right. does that? You take it personally. You know who it was? It was Al Tuck. Oh, yeah, there you go. Yeah, Al Tuck from the Vegas Golden Knights fame now. So when I saw Al a couple <laughs> years ago, came into town, I said, yes, hi, Mrs. Burns. How are you? Nice to see you. Going, oh, yeah. 
Yeah, I got your number. You what? My kid like I've waited kid. 10 years for this. To tell you that. <laughs> I got your number. I love it. Yeah, man. I you remember it. the day CCB came and found <laughs> you. No, I love it. We are, we are actually running out of time here. So I want to make sure I give you both time to, to say any final thoughts here. We can always have another episode about this topic. Uh, Mike, I'm going to throw it to you first, then Christy, and then we'll close this out. Yeah, I just think overall, just, just in this time of year, at the end of the season, and, and your, your son or daughter is you know moving up, uh, just, just love the fact that they're moving up and they want to keep playing. And you know find that right program that's going to fit their personality, your family needs, your financial situation, and ultimately find somebody that really loves working with your kids and, you know, wants to be out there and give them the best experience they can. Yeah. I like to say, do your homework on your team. Make sure it's a good fit for your family and for your kid. Um, and don't be afraid to ask questions. I mean, have a one-on-one with a coach say, Hey, you know, my kid doesn't respond well to a lot of yelling. Uh, what is your philosophy? I mean, are you a yeller on the bench? Um, and you know, okay, find out what, find out if they're going to, mesh with your kid if your kid's gonna gel and see if your kid wants to be on the team ask them <laughs> don't say you're gonna be on this team because <laughs> your career depends on it and you're never gonna go anywhere unless right. you get on this my, team. my value for you is based on what <laughs> yeah. team you make that's i got that i got i got that the other day i said hey spring yeah. for spring starting up on this date we gotta go he goes who told you i wanted to play spring i go <laughs> you were gonna play spring i don't maybe i should ask Ask your kids. Yes, next time. I agree. That's a great. That's a great piece of advice. Well, this is what I'll say in closing. In my room, when I was growing up, I had a, a poster, and it said, "Pain is for the moment, pride is forever." And when you apply that to what we're talking about, whether you make a team or get cut by a team, and anything happens where it's hurt, it hurts, and that pain is for the moment. But pride, which is not necessarily linked to just winning games, is forever. I took a lot of pride in every team I played on, whether I thought I should have been there. Or not. And I am living proof that it doesn't really matter the team you play on. It's what you do at the time that you're there. Uh, if your kid wants it enough, they will they will get it, right? And you got you do have to fight for your kids sometimes. There's no doubt. My father gave me tremendous amounts of support. I was afraid to get on the phone. He got on the phone. But I always had a really clear head and understanding that the work ethic was on me and that no one could make me work harder than myself. And Again, I've had great coaches. I've had bad coaches. I've had in between. I've learned from every single one of them, whether it was what to do or what not to do. But the gift is we get to play the game. And the gift is we get to learn and grow from the game. And should you get to a high level, it's wonderful. Should you not, that's also wonderful as long as you learn something along the way. So no matter where you're going with the game this season or next season, we hope you enjoyed this episode of Our Kids Play Hockey. Uh, once again, we've been getting a ton of positive feedback and a ton of great messages from people saying that they're loving the show and we love doing it. Uh, so once again, check us out on Our Kids Play Hockey or find us wherever you listen to podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google, we're everywhere. Uh, for Christy Cashiano Burns, Mike Benelli, I am Lee Elias. This has been another great edition of Our Kids Play Hockey, and we'll see you next week. Have a great one, everyone. Mm-hmm.